Good morning, everybody. How's that? Is that good? Today we're focusing on joy. I wonder what you think of when you hear the word joy. It's a, it's a word we hear a lot around Christmas time. It's one of the words of the four weeks of Advent. We hear it in carols, on Christmas cards, we see it on decorations. For as long as I can remember, it's been my favourite word, joy. Not just at Christmas time, although I do love the carols and the cards and the decorations. And not just because it actually is my middle name, but because of what it means and because of what it reminds me of. In our home, I have the word joy on display in various places all year round. Someone once noticed in the middle of the year all the joys and asked me in all seriousness if I'd just forgotten to pack away my Christmas decorations. No. So what is joy? Joy, according to a Bible dictionary, is gladness or delight, an emotion evoked by well-being, success or good fortune. It's definitely known as a Christmas word, and for good reason. In in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, we read about what happened when the angel appeared to the shepherds in the field, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of which will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born. Thank you. A saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Christmas is a time to celebrate the joy that God sent his long-awaited Messiah, our saviour. But how does that joy affect us in the everydayness of life? Why do we so often not feel joy? How can we be more joyful people? We're going to look today at through Psalm 16 to see how David reached joy. What was his path to joy? Then we'll look briefly at some New Testament passages about joy. And I'll share some times in my life when I really had to fight for joy. And we'll finish by looking at some ways that we can be more practical, more joyful people. So let's have a look at Psalm 16. And we'll see the path that David took to get to joy. We're actually going to start looking at the last verse, and then we'll go back and work out how he got there. So in verse 11, David says, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. You will fill me with joy in your presence. In the ESV it says, In your presence there is fullness of joy. And the Good News translation says, Your presence fills me with joy. God's presence is with us now and filled David with joy in the present. It's not just when we get to heaven. David ends this psalm with rejoicing, with declaring that in God's presence he is filled with joy. So how did he get there? There are three sections in this psalm. Uh, I hope you can follow along in your own Bibles or on your apps. So in the first section, which is verses 1 to 4, David is reminding himself who he belongs to. 
remember who we belong to. In verse 1, he says, Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. He's making it really personal. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. He's asking God to keep him safe from whatever was going on for him at the time. He's obviously made a practice of taking refuge and finding security in God. He belongs to God. In verse 2 we read, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. David seems to be reminding himself that God is the Lord of his life and that all the good in his life comes from the Lord. Tim Keller has written a book of devotions on the Psalms and he wrote a prayer about Psalm 16. I'm just going to read some of that. He writes, I can root my happiness in amusements, music, food or nice weather, but let suffering enter the picture and they show themselves for the tawdry baubles that they are. Without your constant presence and favour, no thing is a good thing. So I receive them with thanks, but I rest my heart and hope in you. David is remembering that all the good things he has come from God and that he belongs to God. So that's the beginning of his path to joy. In verse 3, David says, I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. David's reminding himself that he belongs to God's people and he delights in being with them. He finds joy or delight in fellowshipping with God's family. I think that's another clue in how he gets to joy. In verse 4, there's a bit of a word that's a bit crazy in this verse, so I'll explain that. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. So if you're anything like me, you don't know what the word libations means. Um, So other versions translate it as sacrifices. So what David is saying is he won't worship other gods or make sacrifices to them. He will not be one of those people who worship other gods as he knows that in the end it will bring trouble and suffering. Now, we don't tend to make blood sacrifices to anything or anyone. But isn't it so, so easy to make other things too important in our lives? It might be money, your job, people, your reputation. It's so true that if we run after those other things, those gods, and look to them for our security and our joy, it does cause suffering in the end because they are not lasting and they will fail. So David in these verses reminds himself that he belongs to God and his people and he won't turn to other things. In the next section, which is verses 5 to 8, David continues on his path to joy and is declaring that his security is in God. In verse 5, he writes, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. God gives us what we need and we can trust him to provide for us. 
Our lot, our future is in his hands. And that's really, really hard to believe sometimes. It's easy to say, really, really hard to believe sometimes. Growing up as a missionary kid, as I did, there were times we didn't have much money, not much at all. But God always provided through his people and we had what we needed. Our security is in God and I have to preach that to myself over and over again. I know many people here can testify to how God has provided for them in many, many ways. In verse 6, David writes, The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. When David wrote this, he was feeling happy with what God had given him. But he wasn't always feeling like that. As you might know, there are other Psalms when David is complaining that God has forgotten about him and he feels like God is hiding his face from him. And sometimes life feels like that. But then David always comes back to reminding himself that no matter how he's feeling, God is good and God will continue to be good. We do have a delightful inheritance. We have so much to be grateful for. It's good to count God's blessings to us because it helps us to be joyful. And we'll talk more about that soon. It reminds us that our security is in God. In verse 7, David says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. David seems to be aware in his heart of God's guidance and counsel even during the night. And that guidance helps him to feel secure. Verse 8, the beginning of verse 8, David says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. It's easy to say, so hard to do, isn't it? There are so many things that try to turn our eyes away from the Lord. Fear, worry, stress, busyness are all competing for our attention. David knew that his security is in God as he kept his eyes on God. With him at my right hand, David says, I will not be shaken. He's reminding himself and us as we read it, that as we keep our eyes on the Lord, we can know that he's with us at our right hand as our advocate, as our companion on the journey, and therefore we will not be shaken. Even when things are hard and the journey is really tough, God is with us and God is our security. And so we get back to the last section of this, t- this psalm, which I've titled, God Gives Us Eternal Joy. And it starts with a therefore. So at the beginning of verse 9, David writes, Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. So I, I learnt once that whenever there's a therefore, you have to ask, what's it there for? So what's the therefore, therefore? It's because of verses 1 to 8 that we've just gone through. Because David knows that he belongs to God, because he knows that his security is in God, he rejoices. He expresses and he feels joy. 
He goes on in verse 9 to say, My body also will rest secure, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. David was looking ahead to eternity, and he knew that even if he died, God would not leave him in the grave. He didn't need to fear even death. As believers, we know that death is not the end and that God will bring us to life again with him eternally. Here in this life, there will always be things that try to steal our joy. But we have the full joy of our ultimate home in heaven to look forward to, where there will be no more pain or sadness or stress or tears, only joy. Doesn't it help so much with perspective to remember that our eternal citizenship is in heaven? That's a reason for joy. And so we get back to the very last verse. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Because of what David knows about God, that he belongs to God, that, he provi- that God provides him with good things, God is with him. He's right next to him at his right hand. He remembers that his security is in God. God makes his eternal future secure. David can be joyful. God gave him eternal joy. So how can we be joyful people? From a New Testament perspective, we are told to rejoice. Paul gives the command in Philippians 4 to rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice or express joy in the Lord always. Always is a lot of the time. Always. Paul also writes in Galatians that joy is part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives. God knows that it's hard for us to rejoice always. It's hard for us to be joyful always. And he lives in us by his spirit to grow joy in us. Because of the Holy Spirit's work in us, we can have joy even when other emotions are competing and trying to steal our joy. At the Last Supper, Jesus reminded his disciples to remain in his love by keeping his commands and loving each other. And then he said, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Our God knows that our joy is made complete when we are remaining in his love and when his love is spilling over from us to the people in our lives. There have been times in my life when it felt like I had lost my joy. Eighteen years ago, I went through quite a traumatic, broken engagement with it being called off the night before the wedding. My heart was broken. All the dreams I had for the future seemed destroyed and there was intense disappointment and grief. There was not much joy. 
In the months after that, all I could concentrate on to read in the Bible were Psalms. I started, I started noticing how many times the psalmists mentioned God's unfailing love. It was like a balm to my joyless soul. I had experienced the failing nature of human love, but God's love for me was unfailing and he would never leave me. He would never let me down. I belonged to God and my security was in God. I wrote down all the verses from Psalms that mentioned God's unfailing love and made them into a little book so I could read them easily. And I did want to bring the book to show you today, but I couldn't find it. I do have it still somewhere. I needed to soak in God's unfailing love. And gradually, gradually, my joy was restored. John Piper says that sometimes we need to make decisions to rekindle our joy in the Lord. I had to remain in his love and remind myself of it when other emotions tried to steal my joy over and over again in that time. Another time when my joy was shaken was way back in high school when a very, very dear friend lost his life in a drowning accident. There seemed no answers as to why God would have allowed such a tragedy, and the grief was deep. The comfort we had then, and still now, when I think about him, is that he knew Jesus as his saviour, and we, th we knew without any doubt that he was in heaven it made heaven real to me for the first time, and there was joy in that. Remembering the reality of heaven also helped me when we lost babies to miscarriage in the last few years, and the grief threatened to steal our joy. As some of you know, issues around mental health have been real in our family in the last several years. And two years ago, it got to crisis point. There is real fear, and I felt real fear, when you're unable to help loved ones who are suffering from mental illness. And you just wish there was a magic wand to wave and everything would be better. It's really, really hard to be joyful in circumstances like that. Verses like Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 27. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms, are very meaningful to me. Reminders that God is with me, even in the very hard times, enable me to hang on to joy most days. But sometimes in life, it's not those dramatic or newsworthy events which steal our joy, is it? Sometimes it's just being tired and worn down from responsibilities of family and work and just life in general. Francis Chan says we have to fight for our joy, and that's definitely been true in my experience. I was challenged by his question, 
are we known as joyful people? Am I known as a joyful person? Or do I let the stresses and worries of life define me? We have an enemy who wants to steal our joy however he can. So what can we do to fight for our joy? I think firstly, we can ask God to increase our joy. We need the Holy Spirit to keep growing joy in our lives. If you're brave, ask him to prompt your heart when you're not being joyful and see what happens. It's amazing how many things happened which had potential to steal my joy in the preparations for this talk. There are a couple of weeks where we didn't know if George, my husband, would have any work lined up for next year. The kids were sick. There was COVID at my work. Everyone was stressed. And then this week, to top it all off, we found out that we have termites in our walls at home. There are many times a day that I've had to stop and ask God for help to be joyful When I'm stressed, how are we going to afford the repairs to the house? When I'm worried about what it's going to mean. But joy is part of his fruit in our lives and he will help us to be joyful. So ask him. Let's ask him. Secondly, we need to do things that remind us of God's presence. As David said in the psalm that we looked at today, keep your eyes always on the Lord. Remain in his love. Remember that our deepest joy is in the Lord. As David says, he fills us with joy in his presence. It might be through worship music that you remember God's presence. Or maybe a walk in the bush or near the beach reminds you of God's power and presence with you. Sometimes it's praying with a friend or enjoying fellowship with other believers and reminding each other of God's unfailing love and presence with us. It might be meditating on a psalm or another Bible passage. I write verses on cards and stick them to cupboards and walls so that reminders of God's presence are right in my face. You have to keep swapping them after a while because when they've been there for a few weeks, you don't see them anymore. So then you need to replace them with new verses. All of these things help to grow our joy as they remind us of God's presence with us. And thirdly, we need to be grateful. Find things to be grateful for, things to be joyful about, big and small. In Psalm 16, we read that David was taking delight in his inheritance. What can we take delight in? I'm learning more about joy by observing our two-and-a-half-year-old Noah. He's really good at taking delight in things. The other day, we were stopped at red lights on the way home, And then the lights changed and I said, green light. And Noah says, we love green lights. At other times it's, we love mango. Or it's, 
our Christmas tree looks so pretty. He will often jump up and down with excitement and delight about something which sometimes we just take for granted, like a green light. Let's stop and take delight in things. Notice lovely, beautiful, funny things and laugh and enjoy them. During lockdown this year, our family started a tradition of lighting a candle each at dinner time. And at the end of dinner, each person says thank you to God for something from the day. Sadly, it hasn't continued every night once lockdown finished, but most nights. Other people write down three things every day which they are grateful for. And there's lots of research evidence that says that practices like that actually increase your joy. Anne Voskamp writes, Holy joy lies in the habit of murmuring thanks to God for the smallest of graces. And being joyful isn't what makes you grateful. Being grateful is what makes you joyful. She has a notebook open all the time so that she can write down things that she is grateful for. The act of giving thanks and expressing joy for something makes us feel more joyful. Some of the things on my list lately have been Christmas lights around my kitchen window, blue hydrangeas in a white vase, a clear kitchen counter, quite rare at our house, jaunty reading to Noah in bed, a spontaneous dance party with the boys to a High Five Christmas album, and being at the beach for the first time since before lockdown. As David did, let's remember all that all the good things we have are from God's hand and thank him. Rejoice, be joyful for what he's given us. These things help to grow our joy. What does it look like when we're joyful? It's more than just smiling, though that's part of it. It does not look like pretending everything's fine when it's not. It's choosing not to be overwhelmed by the fear or the anger or the disappointment, even though those emotions are very real and they need to be expressed. It's having an eternal focus because of God's presence with us. It's feeling the feelings and at the same time asking God to fill us with the joy of knowing he is right there with us. I like how Paul describes himself in 2 Corinthians 6 as being sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Joy is choosing to focus on God's presence with us and his good gifts to us. It's a choice. David said to the Lord, you will fill me with joy in your presence. Our joy comes from being near God. Our joy is based on God's presence with us. At Christmas time, we remember that God came near to us as a human being. Emmanuel, God with us. 
He became one of us so that he could become our saviour. That's our source of joy. It's deeper than just happiness, which is just so temporary. Christmas is a time of joy because it's a reminder that whatever we are going through, God is with us. Because of Jesus, we are reconciled to God now and we have a home with him forever. No matter what we are facing this Christmas, God is with us and we can have joy. Maybe you're in a really difficult situation right now and joy seems totally unreachable. Maybe you're processing grief or dealing with a crisis or you're worried that the pandemic will hit even closer to home. Maybe your family looks different this year. Maybe your job is uncertain or maybe your health is failing. In all of this, we can have joy because God is with us. We belong to him and our security is in him. The band Rend Collective have a song called Joy. And I'll read just some of the lyrics as I finish. We cast aside our shadows, trust you with our sorrows. You're the song of our hearts. The pain will not define us. Joy will reignite us. You're the song of our hearts. In the shadows, in the sorrows, in the desert, when the pain hits, you are constant, ever-present. You're the song of my heart. You're the joy lighting my soul. You're the joy making me whole. Though I'm broken, I am running into your arms of love. So when the pain hits and we are sorrowful, God is constant and ever-present and we can have joy in our souls. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for what I have learnt about joy as I've prepared this talk today. Thank you so much that you are present with us, that you are Emmanuel, God with us, and that you fill us with joy in your presence. Thank you that we belong to you and that our security is in you. I pray that whatever we are facing right now, we will know that we can trust you as our Heavenly Father and so we can rejoice, even if if it is through tears for a time. I ask that you will make us joyful people this Christmas and every day. Amen.